This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Hey, lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Cat. So first of all, I really want to share that we did our first undone women's sensual slow flow yoga experience this past Tuesday evening, and I'm still just so radiating from it. It was held in a downtown loft that was super vibey, and the energy there was palpable. The premise behind Undone is that we come together to create a safe space for women to practice sensuality and being in our bodies where we so often don't feel safe in order to do so in public. So we flow in our undergarments, whatever that means for each of the women, to also feel what it's like to be in our skin and to celebrate our bodies in a room of other women who are supporting us and doing the same. We're pressing our edges of discomfort to really grow within ourselves. And if you're in the LA area, check us out as we do this monthly. It's a practice. It's so important to us. Or if you're in another city, reach out. Maybe we can bring it out to you. So I'm also really in awe of all the epic women empowerment and de-shaming around our menstrual cycles that's been happening. I'm just excited about all this women empowerment in general. It's like left and right, we're hearing something new and exciting and pressing our edges of discomfort. And that is what I'm all about. It's like, especially in regards to talking about our menstruation. I imagine when I was growing up, and I can imagine this is the same for a lot of you ladies out there, where there were all these commercials of menstruation products designed to be tiny and discreet and to look like little candy bar wrappers in our purse, or that it was so mortifying when we leaked through our pants, or we avoided these conversations about bleeding with our boyfriends because we didn't want to make them uncomfortable, or we didn't want to make them feel disgusted, or maybe we just skipped our period entirely because it was too convenient, inconvenient for us. And to skip it, we would use the pill. But now today, I'm seeing Instagram videos of girls who are wearing white yoga pants, free bleeding, and having millions of views or images of women on their menstruation cups that are full of blood. I even have this girlfriend who is telling me that she... <laughs> She paints on canvas with her period blood during her cycle. Now, I'm not quite there yet, and I don't even know that if that's my next step for freedom to achieve, but power to you, boo. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I would be super interested to see what that painting actually looks like. <laughs> but what about all of us who struggle with the relationship with our period? And I know that's a bunch of us. And I know that most of that is a result of the direct result of the pill. Now, this episode is for all my lady babes who, are grown, who have grown up during the age of the pill as the quick fix to everything, the cure-all, and now realizing that the impact it's having on our body, coming off of it, and having a horrible transition of it. So as much as we're developing these relationships with our bodies, we're still having some difficulty here. And don't worry, ladies, I've got Nicole Jardim here to save the day for you. <laughs> <laughs> now before we get to Nicole and her adorable little giggle back there... <laughs> <laughs> Lovers, you are the reason that I do this show. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for tuning in, for spreading the word, for leaving the reviews and trying some of the suggestions that we recommend. I've been getting epic feedback from you all on the products that I use myself because my goal here is to help you to eat, play, and sex better. 
And if you haven't already, please head to eatplaysex.com where you can subscribe to the show because you know you want to connect with me and read about how you can up-level your sex, love, and vitality. <sighs> now, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. That is quite an introduction. <laughs> we like to get playful in here. <laughs> Which is, I'm so down for that. <laughs> I can tell as soon as you came onto the, uh, onto our recording and just to say, hi, hi, I could feel, I could feel the playful energy in there. And I was like, oh, this is going to work out real nice. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> perfect. <laughs> We're definitely going to have fun on this, at this episode. Yeah. Nicole, did any of that resonate with you? What I was talking about, like growing up in the age of the pill. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding? I was actually just laughing when you were talking about leaking through our clothes. Mm -hmm. I feel like as a teenager, if that happened, you may as well not even be on planet earth anymore. It was the most traumatizing thing ever. And it just, you know, it sort of ballooned from there. You know, there was not only the leaking through the school uniform or your outfit or whatever, it was being at the beach and not having a pad or a tampon or, you mm -hmm. know, like so many nightmare scenarios when you were 15. Right. And it's the end of the world. And then we see the blue liquid on the commercials, you know, instead of the red Oh yeah, wow. the blue liquid. Yes, <laughs> that is so 1987. <laughs> I know. And yeah. now I'm like, oh, I'm bleeding through. Or I tell everybody, I tell tell my boyfriends, I tell my friends, just just be kind to me. I'm on my moon cycle today, okay? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's yeah. it. I know. I talk about it to everyone who will listen, <laughs> and maybe those who won't too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Pretty much. Just so everybody knows, I'm bleeding today. <laughs> yes, but. Be being on the pill, I mean, that's a whole other story. Talk about, uh, yeah, drama with your period. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I was on it for about five years. I started when I was 19 and it ended when I was about 24. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it was initially an actually, it was actually a life-changing experience in a good way in that I felt like I, it was the solution to a lot of the period problems that I was experiencing. And, and I under, so I really understand that a lot of women feel the same way. They're really just looking for some fix, anything. They're desperate. And I certainly was. I'd lived for a number of years with extremely heavy periods, the type that leaks through, mm -hmm. um, and as well as extremely painful periods. So I found myself many months just not going to school for one or two days every month because I just couldn't deal. I couldn't get out of bed. I was so wiped out by my period. I was in so much pain. It was so heavy. And my mom was like, okay, we'll just leave you, let you stay home today because she'd also had really horrific periods too. So she got it. And, you know, we all just sort of thought that was normal. And yeah. that was normalized, but going on the pill for these issues was also completely normalized and still is to quite an extent today. So I think that you know, that's, you know, that for me, all of my friends sort of had issues too. So I, I just continue to ignore all of these menstrual cycle related issues because everyone seemed to have problems. And so it wasn't until I was around 17 or 18 that my period started uh, coming incrementally. So every three, four months or so I get a period and not having a period for that long of a period of time is very disconcerting, but also physically very uncomfortable, as you can mm -hmm. imagine. You know what it's like just in the week leading up to your period, multiply that by three months, and mm -hmm. you can imagine how much that sucks. Oh and, my God, yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, terrible. So I finally went to the gynecologist, and she immediately wanted to prescribe the pill. And I was psyched because this was a person who was presenting a potential solution to all of my period ills. And I also, you know, had friends who were on it. And and, you know, everybody was cool who was on the pill. You were using it for mm -hmm. birth control. So that was a big deal. So yeah, I, I went on the pill and it, you know, immediately I had lighter periods. I had shorter periods. I had less painful periods and, you know, it was my mood issues changed. I didn't have that debilitating fatigue every month. So I, I felt like I had found my period panacea. Actually, I was like, yes, this is my magic bullet. Right. Um, and then over time, I started to develop other issues. And so that, you know, and that typically is what happens to the women who come to me today is that initially yeah. you're like, yes, this is great. And then problems start to arise. Oh and there's God. a reason for that, but we can jump into that before yeah. I, I keep talking your hair off. 
You know what though, Nicole, I feel like you read my diary and read, read just read it out loud because that was exactly what was going on with me. I didn't have start my period until I was 19, um, 18, 19. I had amenorrhea and I, and as a result of it, it built up all the linings and then I just bled and bled. And then I was like passing out and you know, after classes and it was just awful. And that was another thing. They put me on like the heaviest dose of the pill. And then there were a lot oh. of complications after that too, as a result yes. of this. Oh um, yeah. I, I, I could not agree more. That's exactly it. Is that we, it's, you know, it's been touted as this one size fits all approach to uh, women everything. who all have, <laughs> yeah, right. All the women's problems, but we also have genetic issues to think about and lifestyle circumstances and diets uh, that, you know, all of these, like, it's just a myriad of different factors that are never taken into account. And we're again, like blanket, I suppose you could say we were blanket prescribed this, this birth control pill. And yes, there are different types of pills, but they all effectively do the same thing. So we end up with a multitude of problems in many cases. Uh, so I can really see why you've gotten into what you do. Nicole is a certified women's health coach and the creator of Fix Your Period, which is a series of programs that empower women to really reclaim their hormone health using her method that combines simplicity and sass, which you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, she's got that sass in her <laughs> already. <laughs> and her work is, your work is just like really helped hundreds of thousands of women around the world. And what I love is that you address all these issues, not just, you know, the period, but the, the PMS, the irregular periods, PCOS, painful periods, and amenorrhea, which I think some of these, we just all lump under one. We're like, oh, this is just PMS or, oh, this is just this, but we don't realize the myriad of things that can actually be going on. No kidding. I know we don't at all. And there's so many things potentially. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know one woman. I don't think maybe I have. And, and she just doesn't, hasn't told me who hasn't been placed on the pill or another hormonal contraceptive at, at some point. How do you think that this, yeah. that we became this type of culture that was like, here, just take this. Oh man. Do you have all day? <laughs> <laughs> So I think that, well, I think that first of all, we are all looking for a relatively quick solution to our problems, our health problems. And I think that that's just human nature. We're really yeah. just in search of that. Nobody wants to expend a lot of effort when we're already struggling with some kind of health problem. So, or, you know, or dealing with something that we don't really want to deal with or don't have time for. Mm -hmm. Uh, periods tend to be one of those things. And so I think it's important for us to understand sort of the background of oral contraceptives or not only oral contraceptives, but the IUD or the mm -hmm. birth control shot, like the Depo-Provera shot, and even the implants, which are, you know, pretty popular and not necessarily new, but quite popular now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and basically the purpose of these as far as all of the physicians and the consumers were concerned, was the prevention of pregnancy, which, of course, I consider to be a basic universal healthcare need for all mm -hmm. women right. and for men too, obviously, because they're involved in this as well. Mm -hmm. And I think what changed over the last few decades is how contraceptives, specifically the pill, has been marketed by the pharmaceutical industry to consumers. And, you know, the pharmaceutical companies used to advertise birth control pills only for the purpose of birth control until about the 1980s. And then in the 80s, it actually changed, especially because that was when we started in America advertising direct to consumer. So that became legal. And so yeah. things shifted with that, with that change. And so in the US especially, it seems that the marketing decisions rather than the scientific innovations have really guided the development and positioning of certain products since like the 80s and the 90s. And, you know, there's like, there's, it's so interesting because there's not, um, you know, there is, sorry, a vast array of birth control options on the market today uh, that are essentially relying on science from 50 to 60 years ago. Oh my God. And, 
Yeah, we have not innovated at all in this space. I mean, it's really, it's getting there, which I'll totally talk about. But from a pharmaceutical perspective, it has not been innovated at all. And so there are really only two ways that birth control works, right? It's ovulation prevention and preventing of fertilization of the egg. And that's basically been used since like 1960 (laughs) when the pill first came to market. And so I think that like what shifted so much is that, like I said, in the eighties, we started direct to consumer advertising and we also, you know, like big pharma basically, because there were really no new innovations in, in how to actually use a birth, like how birth control actually works. They -hmm. decided to look into other avenues and realize like when women would take the pill, for instance, that their acne would go away or that their period would quote unquote regulate. Right. And they would become Mm -hmm. more consistent like us. Like we got a period again, but it was not really a period. So yeah. And And I felt crazy. I felt kind of bizarre on it too. I wasn't on it very long before I was like, I was like, oh, just weird. Well, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Like there, I mean, it's been found that the birth control pill actually uh, contributes to depression and the likelihood of that is significantly higher in teenage girls than it is mm-hmm. for women or, you know, adult women. And the reason for that is because there is a depletion of, of certain vitamins and nutrients, minerals that you know, contribute to our brain health and our overall mental and emotional function. So there are, you know, it certainly does not come without side effects and without consequences. And so I think that, again, like the reason we became, you know, so, uh, you know, so focused on using this, this, the pill or birth control as a one size fits all approach to all of these issues is that, you know, they realize that like women's PMS disappeared and then their heavy periods and their painful periods and their acne and all of these symptoms that women complained about disappeared. So now as a result, we've got about 60% of women in the United States who are on the pill actually using it for reasons other than birth control. (laughs) So we kind of have a problem there. Yes. It's crazy. That is that is so bizarre. I'm imagining like all the advertisements. You know, we see marketing. You brought up a really good point. The the power of marketing. We see all these these images of smiling women and and prancing around and like, oh, I'm so free and happy. And the, and yet we only it's it's so biased. We only see that part. And yet there's so many of us who've been experiencing these these side effects for so long. And and I think there in that there's such a disconnection with our bodies. And it's almost like it's perpetuating the disconnect from... Yes. Sorry, keep going. (laughs) Yeah, no, from what our the body intelligence, our body's like, hey, pay attention to me. I'm trying to get you to do something and and take care of my needs. And we're like, no, body, you listen to me. I want you to do this. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's how my body sounds, at least, when she's talking. (laughs) I know. I love your body. I agree. Mine sounds similar. I've got a bit of a whiny one. Um, But yes, you know, I think that what we don't realize is how the pill actually works in Mm -hmm. our body. And that, you know, that is all contained, by the way, in that little pamphlet that has probably 10,000 words written in the smallest font you'll ever read. And you're (laughs) never going to actually read it because whoever reads the little pamphlets that come in our pharmaceuticals. But (laughs) essentially, the pill is turning off ovulation. And like I said before, right? So there's two ways that the birth control works is either turns off ovulation or it prevents fertilization of an egg. And when we're turning off ovulation, which is typically how the pill would work, we are turning off something that, you know, essentially the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology has stated is a quote unquote fifth vital sign. And so our periods and ovulation, which is connected to our periods, are considered um, you know, part of our five vital signs. And that's a big deal. So we, you know, and the reason for that is because it's it directly correlates to our overall health. So as women, we really need to be ovulating. And if we're not ovulating, we're kind of, we kind of have a problem. Um, And the reason for that is because ovulation is not just about fertility. It's not just about getting pregnant. I think that it's so, so much more than that. It's so much more far reaching. And unfortunately, 
we've been led to believe as a culture, really across the world, in many cultures, that ovulation is just something you can turn off and it's no big deal. And you can turn it back on when you decide you want to have kids. But back, yeah, right. And the fact that it is responsible for so many other things. I feel like our hormones like estrogen and progesterone are these unsung heroes that never really get any press besides when we're talking about having a baby. But I mean, estrogen, for instance, is an amazing hormone. It is responsible for vaginal lubrication and it is responsible for having good energy and it is responsible for brain health. It actually impacts our brain health and is connected directly to serotonin. So when estrogen drops, serotonin drops, which is part of the reason why the pill contributes directly to depression. So we have, you know, we have a multitude of reasons why we need adequate estrogen, our bone health, our heart health, even our gut health. So there's a lot of things. Progesterone, very similar. Progesterone contributes to our brain health. It also keeps us, you know, it keeps us in stable, our mood stable. Um, it's, you know, it's responsible. It's sort of like the keep calm and carry on hormone is what I call it. But <laughs> it's I true. See the sign. Yes. Yeah, right. You know, like we've got, we've got all the things here. So though, just those two hormones alone. And so when we turn off ovulation, especially for a long period of time, some women are doing it for like 15 years straight, mm-hmm. we end up in a, in a real deficit. And um, and that can be hugely detrimental to not only our physical health, but our emotional health and our fertility. Mm. Wow. So does it, you know, as you're describing how it works in our body, does it actually regulate the cycle? Um, no. No. <laughs> it definitely okay. does not. That's an unequivocal That's no. That's what I was wondering. And then, and then I was wondering, like, because I have, I have also women, cause I bring up this topic a lot and send them to this show, you know, um, eat, play, sex podcast. Um, but, and some women are like, no, it actually really works for me. Can it actually work for some women? Um, yes, I, okay. you know, I'll go back to the regulating of the cycle just so uh-huh. that I clarify for everyone. Like I said, the pill is essentially is designed to turn off ovulation. That's how it works to prevent Mm -hmm. you from getting pregnant. And so when, like I said, when you're turning off ovulation, that bleed that you're having when you're on the pill where you're taking the sugar pills, Mm -hmm. all that is, is a hormonal bleed. So the second, if you're taking a combined birth control pill, meaning that you have um, ethanol estradiol, which is a, a synthetic estrogen, and then progestin, which is a synthetic progesterone, um, it's mimicking your cycle. So you, the first set of pills are the ethanol estradiol. So that's like supposed to mimic the rise of estrogen in the first half of your cycle. And mm-hmm. then the progestin after you would quote unquote ovulate in that, you know, the middle of your cycle and then progestin takes over or progesterone takes over on a normal cycle, but progestin is what is in the birth control pill. And so then when that progesterone, if you're ovulating, when your progesterone drops towards the end of your cycle, because it goes high and then it drops down, that signals to your uterine lining to start to disintegrate and for your period to come. So the progestin works similarly in that you take that and then you stop taking that pill um, and then you start on the sugar pills and basically you get your period the next day mm-hmm. um, because you're no, you no longer have that progestin in your body. So it's, it's dropping, the levels are dropping and significant signaling the uterine lining to, to stop, to, sorry, to disintegrate. And so a lot of women, you know, have shortened periods Uh or shortened bleeds on the pill. That's because they're not ovulating and their uterine lining is not really building up in the way it's supposed to. And also some women lose their period completely. And that's just because they're not ovulating anymore. And, um, and their uterine lining is just not building at all. And so the progestin, all it's doing is you're just taking that sugar pill and it's telling your body, oh, right, there's no more progesterone. So now, um, now period comes, but any kind of, any kind of bleed without ovulation is not considered a real period. So Mm -hmm. you're, yeah. So everyone should know that it's just considered a, we call it a hormone bleed or, like a pill bleed, something like that. So I think that everyone should know that. So what what I'm trying to say is that the pill does not regulate your cycle because 
it's all it's doing again is turning off this really important function in your body. And so, yes, you're having a consistent bleed, but it's only based on the fact that you are putting those hormones into your body via the pill every single day. And, and that, so it's sort of meant, it's meant to emulate a cycle, but it's really not a real cycle because your body's hormones have been completely hijacked by the synthetic hormones. Oh my God. That sounds so scary. That sounds like, um, grand theft auto. I don't even know. Oh my God. That sounds about right. (laughs) Grand theft auto (laughs) for your period. Period version. Oh gosh, so are there are there signs that women need to look out for? I keep I I still have the image of Grand Theft Auto in my mind, and I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, like there's signs that somebody steals your car. You know, <laughs> like are there signs that women should be looking out for that this might not be working for them personally? Because especially, you know, like I was saying, we're we're disconnected from our bodies. We're not really listening to the signs and signals, or we're ignoring them. Being like, oh, that's normal, like you said, Nicole. But are there specific things that women can be like, oh, you know what? Actually, Nicole's so right. I need to look into this. This is, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be feeling this. Totally. Well, since we're talking uh, on this particular podcast, I'm going to start with sex drive because- yes. Yes, girl, obviously. I mean, that to me is one of the biggest complaints I hear. I mean, there's lots of others that are very close seconds and thirds, but the the lowered libido, um, desire for sex, sex drive is across the board what I see as being one of the biggest issues. Um, And so everyone should really understand this. Again, you need ovulation to make not only estrogen and progesterone, but you need it to make testosterone because when you ovulate, that is a time of the month when you are usually most um, wanting sex, like most desiring sex. And so that if you turn that off, of those key hormones that contribute to your libido. And so I hear this over and over again. And so I think that if you've been on, I've had women tell me I was on the pill for a month and my sex drive dropped completely. Like it either dropped in half or disappeared completely. I will have women say three months, six months, a year. They notice it a couple years in. So it really depends. I think that there's coming back to the genetics. I think it's important for us to understand that Not all of us are built the same, obviously. And like you said, does it work for some people? Yes, the pill definitely will work for some people. It's it's okay, but just to keep in mind that it is turning off this vital thing. So it works in that... Some women don't need a lot of hormones to function or feel their best. And so being on the pill doesn't really impact them nearly as much as someone like me or maybe like you. And so I remember years ago, I was listening to a guy named Dr. Andrew Goldstein talk about uh, women being divided into two categories, which I thought was pretty funny, the Hummers and the hybrids. And he was like, the Hummers basically guzzle hormones as in they use a lot of hormones or they need a lot of hormones to feel really good. Uh Whereas the hybrids, (laughs) they actually sip hormones, so they don't need a lot of hormones. So they do okay on the pill because, you know, most (laughs) pills are low dose, right? So they do all right. They're, you know, they're like coasting, their libido is okay, you know, things like that. I love how there's only two types of women. Well, he's a guy. I mean, yeah, right. (laughs) You know, it's a bit of a flawed approach, (laughs) but I thought it was helpful to divide us into two because I think that it does definitely make sense when you talk about it like that. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, girl, I'm with you. I know there's plenty of us and you know, he was, he was trying to simplify, which I could appreciate. We are complex creatures. We certainly are. are. (laughs) Oh my God. Are we ever? I know. I bet my partner can hear me out in the living room as I'm saying all this and he's just like shaking his head. Yep. Nicole is complex. I know. (laughs) Even in one day, we're like more than two types. (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. Right. I know. I posted an Instagram image once of, you know, a guy, a typical guy's day and a typical girl's day in emojis. And Um, the guy had like, you know, three different types of faces and the girl had like 20. And (laughs) it's so true. I mean, it's really so true. It made me laugh. It was one of my highest liked photos ever. (laughs) 
<laughs> Women can relate. <laughs> oh my goodness. So coming back to the Hummers and the hybrids, the point is, is that yes, like this, you know, it can, it can feel okay for some women, whereas for others, they're immediately like, what the hell just happened to me? So that's the first thing. The second thing is the mood changes as in my, I went from being normal and happy to feeling suicidal to, Mm -hmm. um, just feeling kind of down and depressed, not having energy, not really being able to focus, feeling brain foggy. All of those I think are really good symptoms to look out for. These are not normal. This is not a normal way to live, but I think that so many of us experience this and we either tell ourselves it's okay. Or our doctor says we're fine. And we're sort of gaslighted into believing that everything is okay. When our our intuition, our gut is saying, well, maybe we should look into this a little bit more. So I always encourage women to do that because I I think that for so long, we've been told, whether it's by the medical industry or, you know, by friends or parent or family or whoever, that, you know, you're fine. Don't worry about it. You're okay. Even though you're clearly not okay. And so I think it's so important for us to check in with ourselves and really ask if we're feeling okay. Mm -hmm. So yes. So that's, Yes, mood issues, sex drive. And I would say, you know, there are a couple other things too. Like your period disappears. Again, not a good sign. You really don't want your period to disappear because that means that your hormone levels are way too low. And not, I mean, as in your estrogen is not building enough building up enough to build a uterine lining and then progesterone is not high enough and then dropping once you stop taking that progesterone pill um, to actually have like a shedding of the lining. So, you know, all of those kinds of things I think are, are really important for us to be looking out for. Oh my God. I hope women are writing this down right now, like pulling out their, their, do people use notepads anymore? I don't even know. They just have one sitting right next to me. I do. (laughs) (laughs) I I wonder about that sometimes. I like, I show up to workshops with this whole pad of paper and then everybody pulls out their iPads with their special, like, (laughs) I'm like, oh, yes. Oh my God. I know. I, it's like, it's, I just, yeah, I really like the feeling of pen on paper. So, you know, yeah, whatever you're, whatever you're taking notes on, take, definitely take notes. I will say too, like a couple other symptoms I think that people should pay attention to as well is headaches or migraines that continue to come and digestive problems. The pill actually has some, has some effect on your digestive function. So digestion issues, um, headaches, migraines, do you develop an autoimmune disease or hypothyroidism while you're on the pill? Please pay attention to that. Like it, I cannot tell you how many women have come to me and they were like, well, I was on the pill for 10 years. And in that time I developed Hashimoto's and now I'm on the pill and I'm on thyroid medication and I'm also having major gut health issues. Yeah. Where does that come from? Likely the pill. So it's really important for us to keep in mind, like, our genetic weak link. And we all have them. Some of us, it's our bones and we end up with something like osteoporosis or arthritis. Some of it's our thyroid and we end up with some kind of thyroid condition. For some, it's our pancreas and we end up with diabetes. For others, it's you know our heart or our digestive function. So we really have to keep in mind we're only unfortunately as strong as our weakest genetic link. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's important for us to know that when we're, we're dealing with a sort of one size fits all that you know, I mentioned before. Yeah. Yeah. So when women start feeling these symptoms and they decide, they realize that it's, it very well could be the pill. Mm -hmm. What, what happens when they decide to come off of it? Oh, you know, a whole lot of things <laughs> potentially. <laughs> All the things. I, I know, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. A little stressful. But it's not. Like I think that the first thing for women to understand is that the pill is actually one of those medications that you can come off of at any time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you want to be consulting with your doctor. I say that with a caveat <laughs> and a medical disclaimer mm-hmm. attached. Just talk to your doctor, but know that your doctor is likely going to push back a little bit because that's the way they've been trained. It's not their mm-hmm. fault. Like they've been told that this is the what you need to be doing. Um, this you need to be on this pill for birth control. I've had women say to me, "Well, doctors literally say things along the lines of, well, if you're if you want to get pregnant or have an accidental pregnancy, then by all <laughs> means get off the pill." I'm like, uh-huh. oh, way to go, doc. Um, <laughs> so you know they they've they've heard all kinds of crazy things, and I think yeah. that it's important to know that this is how your doctor is 
trained. So they're going to likely tell you to stay on the pill. But if you are having these symptoms, in my personal opinion, it's, it's crucial that you get off of it um, because it, they're not going to get better. That's the problem is that there's no other pill on the market that you can switch to because women ask me that too. And they've tried it. They've tried like seven different pills and they continue to have a myriad of problems. And I'm like, there's no other pill you can switch to because <clears throat> the pill, uh, somebody said this recently, um, her name's Lori Christine King. She talks a lot about hormones and hormonal health. And she says, she calls it is doctor prescribed hormonal imbalance. And it is so true. That's exactly what it is. It's basically your, you know, your, you you can't treat the you can't treat the symptoms you've got to treat the root cause and the root cause is being able to ovulate again and be able to being able to make those hormones so i think that it's really critical for us to when we do get off the pill um or leading up to getting off the pill we've got to support ourselves nutritionally we've got to support our digestive function we've really got to look at our sleep and what's going on with the whole psychological stress component of our lives for real so that's, you know those are yeah. big big components that we have to be looking at and, and actively addressing, I think personally before coming off the pill, but if you just come off the pill, then you start addressing those immediately. Mm. So it sounds to me like working with somebody like you who knows what to expect and what to look out for instead, because so in, in mental health, when I'm working with clients who've been on psychotropic medications, you know, I always tell them, don't just stop it, you know, work with somebody, work with a doctor to help you come off of it in the most effective way, because then you can hit those hard symptoms and it can be even more disastrous. Um, mm -hmm. Is that, would you suggest the same for women who are coming off the pill? Yeah, I think so. I think it depends. You know, it, obviously psychotropic drugs are a whole other ball game and they, you know, you absolutely have to be working with someone to wean off of those. Um, when it comes to the pill, I think that it is necessary to, to have guidance. It's really, it's really helpful to, to know what, what deficiencies are involved with the pill and mm -hmm. what the side effects are, the symptoms of it are, and really being able to actively address those when you're coming off or after, right after you've come off. My birth control protocol has all of that in that I, you know, I tell people leading up to the pill or leading up to ditching your pill. And <laughs> then the first month afterwards, the first three months, and then the first six months, because it is a process. And depending mm -hmm. on how long you've been on it for, I tell women that, you know, for every year you've been on it, give yourself a month to two months of healing and getting back in sync with your cycle and in tune with your body's natural rhythms, just mm -hmm. because, you know, we're working with a human body <laughs> and they tend to be a little unpredictable. Yeah. She will take as long as she would like to. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Exactly. I wonder, are there any herbs or natural actions that women could take to help alleviate some of these symptoms that they might be experiencing coming oh, off? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think that the first thing to really be focused on or to at least remember, keep in mind is that we are for the most part quite nutritionally deficient as a society, sadly. Uh -huh. And I found that women who've been on the pill for a long period of time, myself included at the time, was are are quite are even more nutritionally deficient. And mm -hmm. and that is partly because the pill um, you know, can deplete like really crucial minerals, magnesium, selenium, zinc, phosphorus, uh, some of the B vitamins, in particular B6, which by the way, B6 is a precursor to serotonin. Again, mm. that's where the mood connection comes in. So really makes sense. And, um, and then of course, too, there, you know, in my practice, the gut health component, I feel like it's, it's anecdotal, but I've heard this over and over again. You know, women, they get chronic yeast and bacterial infections when they're on the pill. Mm. And, um, you know, that is likely linked to a, you know, an imbalance uh, in your gut bacteria. So maybe the gut health problems existed before and the pill, um, you know, just exacerbated it or maybe the pill caused it. And so I think like what's really important is that once it's been altered, the gut flora, uh, you should know that it affects 
um, hormone regulation. It affects the HPA axis, which is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. So that's the conversation happening between your hypothalamus and pituitary in the brain and your mm-hmm. adrenal glands. And there, and by the way, all of them are talking to each other all day long. They're having a big old conversation. So it's that. important to remember that yes, all of your endocrine glands, your ovaries, your adrenals, your thyroid, your brain are, are having a conversation all day because they have to, they have to be sending hormones here and there. And so again, like this is why gut health is so like having good gut health is so crucial to good hormonal balance. And it's why it's connected to conditions like endometriosis and and painful heavy periods amongst, you know, Mm -hmm. other period issues. There's also a connection between the pill and Crohn's disease and inflammatory bowel disease. So there is a study um, in women who have genetic predispositions to these kinds of gastrointestinal diseases. They may be three times more likely to to develop uh, Crohn's disease if they've been on the pill for five years, at least five years. And a lot of people have been, and a lot of people tend to be predisposed to having these issues. So coming back to what I was going to say, that was a long version of what I was trying to say, is that we need to focus on our gut health and we need to focus on our nutrient deficiencies that potentially have cropped up while being on the pill. And the one of the best ways to do that is to really get get real with yourself. Like how much crap are you actually eating? Because when you really do that, like I am a big fan of a food diary or using an app like MyFitnessPal to track the food that you're eating mm-hmm. and, and being and for real, like not lying to yourself about, oh yeah, that cookie, I only had one, but you really had like six. And again, <laughs> I, I, love, I love me cookies, some cookies and cake and all that stuff. So I get it. But like really being real about how much food that you're eating that could be contributing to this problem. So so contributing to leaky gut and that bacterial imbalance and um, potentially, you know, other gut issues, like whether there's, you know, SIBO potentially or something else and, and any kind of inflammation and also getting real about, you know, like how many nutrient dense foods you are having. So I'm a big fan of that, like really cutting this stuff out and being serious because honestly, if there's anything that will move the needle on your health, that is it. And I, you know, when you take out foods that are are causing this kind of inflammatory response, there you're you're making yourself feel so much better because mm-hmm. we don't even realize it. You don't know what's going on in your stomach. Like sometimes we feel stomach pain or bloating, mm-hmm. or we have like constipation or diarrhea or something like that. But we don't really realize the impact of food because we can't see it. And mm-hmm. but you can. You can see it in the acne that's on your skin or your face or your on your face or on other parts of your body. You can see it in your hair loss because a lot of women experience hair loss. Um, you can see it also too in um, you know, like what's, you know, if you have melasma, for instance, on your skin, which I developed when I was on the pill too, um, is your skin dry? Um, is it flaking? Uh, you know, there's so many issues that, that show up that don't, you don't even realize are connected to your gut health. So I'm a big fan of like taking out the, you know, the sugar and the gluten and the dairy, the dairy, especially, cause that mm-hmm. seems to be really problematic for women. Um, as well as, uh, you know, soy, um, and potential and any other potential foods or additives that could be causing that inflammatory response. So if you take those out, and even if you do that for like a couple of weeks, just to see what happens it is a game changer, but add in, right? Cause I'm not all about this. Oh, you have to take everything out of your diet and the world is over. It's not <laughs> like that. I really believe like you can bring in so many good foods, like bring in all the sweet foods, like the sweet potato and the pumpkin, like make yourself, uh, you know, go online and find a pumpkin bread recipe that's gluten-free, you know, things like Mm -hmm. that, that you don't feel deprived, but you are bringing in a whole bunch of nutrient dense foods. So lots of leafy green vegetables. I recommend women trying to get those into their diet every single day and not just salad, like the cooked leafy greens, like kale and collard greens and spinach. And, you know, like, again, like the lots of fiber. So whether that's, you know, um, sweet potatoes and root vegetables, as well as healthier grains like quinoa and rice, you know, things like that are going to really go a long way when we're eating 
whole clean foods. And I know I sound like such a cliche, but it really just works. <laughs> it does. You know, I had been done reading about eating specifically to the different stages of my cycle. And it really changed everything, like adding root vegetables during the the certain times and um, and the leafy greens during certain times just to help with flushing out excess estrogen. And that had made a big difference for me just doing that. Yes. Oh my goodness. Exactly. Right. So the brassica family of vegetables. So those are the Brussels sprouts and kale and cabbage and collard greens. Um, you know, any, there's sort of sulfury, they've got that sulfur taste, asparagus, things like that. They, you know, they are classically known for helping your body remove excess estrogen. And so Mm -hmm. they essentially like bind up and, and get estrogen out of your body. And that to me is just like one of the easiest changes you can make. But again, and like coming back to lots of healthy fat, um, clean protein. Yes. I'm a believer in animal protein. I know that there are potentially a lot of you listening who are not, and I respect everybody's views. But in my experience, and this is just purely my experience working not only with myself, but with so many women, that almost everyone does a much better if they've had some kind of protein or they have some kind of protein in their diet. So I mm-hmm. think that it's really crucial for us to, to keep that in mind too. Mm. And I love that. I want to really want to emphasize that part where you were talking about eating the fats, because I think you and I grew up in the age of low fat, low calorie, you know, zero calories. And it was, and how that was really destroying our gut instead of helping us and that we need the fats in order to produce the estrogen to be able to have regular, you know, healthy cycles. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, we do. So just so everyone knows, low fat is totally a myth. It has fully been debunked by science. Unfortunately, conventional, sort of the conventional approach to nutrition and and medicine, um, that tends to be about 17 years behind the more holistic functional medicine approach. So everyone keep that in mind. That's why you still see egg white omelets on... on the menu. They shouldn't be there. But seriously, (laughs) on a serious note, we really do need fat in order to, um, you know, to make our steroid sex hormones. And if we do not, if we have a diet lacking in fat, or if we have low body fat, it's very difficult for us to make enough of those hormones and, you know, and regulate, sorry, ovulate and menstruate regularly. So really important to keep that in mind too. Mm-hmm. So take care of that body and and bring all the butter, bring all the <laughs> oh, yes, all the butter, the yes. whole the the full fat. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, so good. <laughs> I yeah, I I get the coconut cans. You know the cans of coconut. Mm-hmm. milk in it. And, and I loved like, just like having my spoon and like eating it straight out of it. It's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. I love that. <laughs> I know it's good stuff. I, yeah. yeah, I use that to make chia seed pudding. Just like <laughs> filling that thing up. Oh, so oh good. Oh my God, me too. <laughs> yeah. And so is there a tip, uh, you know, we're talking about menstrual cycles and then like coming off of the pill or using the pill to start us. And, and then there's all these talks about, you know, this is what your cycle looks like. And the average cycle is 28 days. I wonder, is there actually a typical menstrual cycle that we're supposed to look like or um, something that's, that's average that we're looking at, or are they all kind of different for each of us? That's such a great question. I'm really glad you asked that. And just like I had said, all of our bodies are similar but different. It's it applies to menstrual cycles as well. And so essentially, I think that there's, you know, there's definitely a myth that's been perpetuated that we all have these 28-day cycles and we ovulate on day 14 and that's just not the truth. A, a typical cycle really you know, for modern women, especially because we're a little go, go, go. I mean, ladies, I, you know who I'm talking to here. <laughs> just like, I'm one of them. I get it. It takes one to know one. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. exactly. So 25 to 35 days is really what I have seen to be sort of the average for like that I consider average and good for a fertile cycle. Um, if it's over 35 days, like 36 days or more, I tend to want it to come down below that. And if it's under 24 days, I want to push it up a little bit just because 
it's difficult, especially for that shorter cycle for you to be, you know, for it to be considered a fertile cycle. And what I mean is that from the day that you ovulate until the day that you get your period, that's a, that's a predetermined amount of time. And you, it really does not go over 16 days. So the day that you ovulate is really going to determine when you get your period. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that they just sort of think like, Oh yeah, that has nothing to do with the two have nothing to do with each other, but it, it really is important to know that. And the reason for that is because if that time frame, that luteal phase, that second half of your cycle after you mm -hmm. ovulate is shorter than 10 days, it's going to be too short in many cases for an egg to travel from down, a fertilized egg that is, travel from the fallopian tube down into the uterus and implant. And so that's why so many women who are trying to get pregnant and they have these shorter cycles potentially have issues. And again, like obviously there's lots of women who are not trying to get pregnant who are listening. And it's not so much about the fertility as it is about just having that healthy cycle. Because again, healthy cycles and fertility are not mutually exclusive. They go hand in hand. So really I'm looking for that 25 to 35 day window with not a lot of fluctuation. So one month, if it's 25 days and the next month it's 35 days and then the next month is 25 days, that's a lot of fluctuation. <laughs> I would rather see it fluctuate maybe by one to three days at the most. Got it. Mm, yeah. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. And then, you know, ovulation really generally, if it, you have a 25 to 35 day cycle, you're really looking at ovulation that occurs somewhere between days 12 and like day 19. Okay. I like to see days 13 to 17, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like I, you know, I think if you've always had a 35 day cycle, it's okay. If you've always had a 25 day cycle, that's okay too. Like, it's just really important to check back in and know what's normal for you versus what, you know, what everyone else says is normal. Mm -hmm. um, I think too, with a period, you're really looking for about like three to five days um, as an ideal. If it's over seven days and it's heavy, I, you know, and you're changing tampons or pads or your cup, uh, you know, more like tampons and pads more than like every hour to two hours and menstrual cups more than like every four to six hours, then I think something's up there. It might mean you have maybe too much estrogen, too much unopposed estrogen. So your lining is building up too much and you're having a heavier, more, you know, more substantial period, longer period. And if it's under two days, that's, you know, that's potentially a little too short. Like you might not have enough estrogen buildup and hence the uterine lining isn't doing what it's supposed to do. So mm. those are something to think about, but ultimately the goal is ovulation. I feel like that's the star of the show. And, and so women should really be tracking their cycle, using an app, tracking your symptoms, yes. uh, all of your period symptoms, all of the symptoms throughout the month, like track your bowel movements, your mood, what's going on with your skin and your hair and your nails. And, you know, like, are you getting sick consistently? Um, did you track ovulation, your cervical fluid pattern changes? Um, you can track your basal body temperature. That's a whole other podcast episode, I think. But mm. you know, like, I can give you resources to put in your show notes if you want for women Absolutely. to understand that because I think okay. it's really helpful. It is very much. And I, I regularly chart my cycle. I actually have two phone apps that I use because I like the benefits <laughs> of both of them. But oh my God, a girl after my own heart. I use like yes. seven. So yes, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they both give me some really great advice. <laughs> and like, um, one of them is my flow, and then the other one is flow, which is funny because they're two different, but yes, <laughs> similar. Yeah. And what I liked about them was it got me to not only get used to understanding the stages of my cycle, but again, like what types of exercise I should be doing, doing during that time or what these symptoms were meaning or eating these types of food to support the estrogen production and, and um, ovulation. And that just got me so mindful of my body and I got more used to, oh, so this is when I have more trouble with, you know, bowel movements or this is when I have, you know, um, have to amp up my intake of, um, uh, what is that? <sighs> I'm thinking magnesium. of the vitamins. Oh, magnesium. Yes. Magnesium. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Totally. And I'm going to like totally change my whole lifestyle. How I was yeah. doing. Yeah. It's incredible. I know. I'm a big fan of living in tandem with your cycle and working with it too. I'm mm -hmm. leading up to ovulation. So this is a great time for me to do this interview because I can actually string two sentences together. <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody who doesn't know what that means, <laughs> they I know. <laughs> I should probably say that. 
by the way, everyone. So estrogen, I mentioned that brain health. So estrogen is building as you're approaching ovulation and so is testosterone. And it really improves your, um, your ability to speak properly <laughs> and uh, to, for memory, rec- like for memory recall and, and things like that, you're really on your game. So I always recommend, you know, interviews, public speaking, live events, uh, you know, networking with people, all those kinds of things around this time of your cycle, because they're really, they're definitely superpowers that we can tap into that guys just don't have. It was so funny. I was in a, um, I was in a business meeting one time and it was an important business meeting. And it was during this time where, like you were saying, my words, my brain was just not recovering these words or these (laughs) memories. And I told the person, I was like, you know what, just right now I'm on my moon cycle. So my brain's just not retrieving its ability to retrieve. It's not operating very well. And they just looked at me like wide eyed. And I was like, it's okay. It's just my estrogen. And they just died laughing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just okay, every that. time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's funny. So if we think about, you know, a contracept is one of the reasons that we would be interested in the pill. Are there alternatives for women out there? And that's a question I get asked all the time. Oh, I, oh honey, I bet. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really tough. And <clears throat> I say, I don't say this lightly. I really, you know, I, I understand why women choose, you know, the birth control pill or the IUD or even the implant or the depot shot or whatever, because we got so many things on our plate. We are just, we're spinning like what a hundred different to do's every single day. And I understand that that's the last thing most people want to think about. I, I, I understand, but at the same time I don't, cause I'm like, don't you want to talk about your period and your fertility all day long? Cause I do, but I understand that that is not true. It's like people come to me, like I go to my accountant, they don't, they're like, I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about this. I just want you to tell me what to do. <laughs> and so, right. I, you know, I think that there is unfortunately no really great alternative. And that's, and that's been the hugest problem for many of us. Hence the reason, like I was talking about, you know, there's been <clears throat> 60 years where we just haven't had any real innovation. And so what I do is something called a fertility awareness based method of contraception. And so what that means is I am measuring my fertile signs every single day of my cycle. Um, and this is now becoming easier with technology, but unfortunately technology cannot replace the, you know, you actually paying attention to the signs and symptoms. And so I, I actually, this paying attention to your signs and symptoms, by the way, I like to refer to as period literacy. I feel <laughs> like it's, it's really necessary for us. Honestly, ladies, it is. Because like I said, this whole fifth vital sign and really understanding what's up with your menstrual cycle can go a long way in your life. Um, just, I mean, even to public speaking. So it's helpful. But what we, what we don't have is like something that's super easy. Like it, there's, there are things that it really takes some effort. The easiest solution I have found as of right now, and there are others out there as well, but this is my own experience is the Daisy fertility monitor. Mm -hmm. And so that is taking your basal temperature every morning. So you just take it when you wake up within, you know, within a couple of minutes of waking up and before you go to the bathroom, all those things. And, um, it will, it learns your cycle. And so it's based on an algorithm, uh, that the company has put together over many, many years. I'm vastly simplifying this, but the idea is that it is going to tell you, it's going to learn your cycle. And then it's going to tell you whether you're fertile or not with a green light or a red light. And so on your fertile days, you would use a barrier method if you did have, um, intercourse and, um, and then on the, unfer- the non-fertile days you can have unprotected sex. And I have had, you know, I've used it now for over two years. It has been incredible for me and I've, I've turned a lot of clients and friends and family onto it. And so I, you know, I sound like an ad for Daisy, but I feel <laughs> like that's a great one for women, especially who are segueing or transit segueing and <laughs> transitioning off the pill. Um, <laughs> I really think that that is a good solution. There are mm-hmm. others as well. Um, I use an app called Kindara and they have a thermometer called Wink. So that requires actual work, like where that's the fertility awareness based method where you're tracking your temperature, you're tracking tracking your cervical fluid. Um, I still consider, I still recommend women do that, even if they're using something like the Daisy. But again, like this is going to get you so in tune with your body. You're going to talk to your partner about this as well, if you have one, because they're, you know, they should, 
they should be an, play an active role in this too, because like I said, it, it takes two of us. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important for us to, to really be open with our partners, husbands, whoever you're with, um, about this, because it, it definitely is something that, you know, everyone, I think everyone needs to partake in. And, you know, there's, there's, there are a few other things. Again, it's not necessarily birth control. Um, there's an Ava fertility bracelet that I also use. I told you I use a lot of different things, (laughs) but you know, that's not birth control yet. They're working on that, but that's really just to determine your fertile window. Um, and so for someone who's super savvy, they could potentially use that and you, and know their fertile window and know to obviously not have unprotected sex in that time frame. So I, I use that too, cause I think it's very interesting and it measures other parameters as well. Um, that, you know, will tell you which phase of your cycle you're in. So I, I think that's awesome. Oh. Um, you know, I'm also now I've just learned recently and I'm testing out something called the Mira fertility app. Um, and that is, very cool. It's very different. It's basically like using pee sticks to determine your, your ovulatory phase. No kidding. And it'll measure your hormones. Um, and then you plug it into their little device and it'll tell you what the hormone level is and whether you're fertile that day or not. And they're also going to work on a birth control, um, component of that device as well too. So there's Mm -hmm. amazing stuff out there. It's really cool what's happening, but we're just not quite there yet in terms of like, something that's super accurate. I mean, yes, the daisy is for sure. Um, but in terms of like, I don't know, some amazing like barrier thing that works <laughs> or just yeah. you know makes us, makes us magically not get pregnant during our fertile <laughs> time when we all want to really have sex. Yeah. We haven't quite figured that out yet. <laughs> Except unless you, unless you use crystals. I heard that crystals, if you stick crystals in your yoni that you won't get pregnant. Oh, honey, I I'm have, kidding. I, <laughs> I was just going to say, girl, you are so woo-woo. I'm not there yet. <laughs> but I appreciate that. That's a, that's a, That would be an amazing yeah, one. I mean, there's definitely the some other things that are a little out there that I probably won't share on here. But yeah, you know, I encourage people to do their research and figure out what works best for them. <laughs> oh my God, that's so amazing. Do you think there will ever be a pill for the men? No, I don't actually. Um, there was, there was research happening last year for that. I don't know if you know this, but yes, there was. Um, and they stopped it because men complained of side effects. I owe the injustice of it all. Um, I just can't with the men. I can't. They, so they complained of like headaches and I believe maybe low sex drive and a few other things, depression. And they, um, they pulled it. And yeah, so wow. I don't see a male birth control pill becoming a reality anytime soon, if ever, because of that. And, you know, again, like there's, so yes, yeah, so the, unfortunately the onus is on us as women to, um, to really know our stuff, to know our bodies and to continually be tuning into what's normal for us and what's working and what's not working. Mm, I love that. Yes. Tuning into the body and the intelligence that resides there. Yes. Nicole. So as we're wrapping up, I wonder if you have like one thing that you, this, this whole thing is expansive. I'm like, can you give everybody one thing that they can take with them as they're like furiously writing in their notebooks? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Definitely. So ladies, your body is so unbelievably smart. And I really believe that if you if you just start to pay attention to her because she's whispering, maybe shouting at you every day. And we don't know this because we don't know how to speak that language. And so I think that if you can just start paying attention, so like the digestive troubles, for instance, the fatigue after you finished eating or the energy crash at 3 PM or the not being able to get up in the morning and needing, you know, a gallon of coffee just to focus and get started on your day. All of these things that we've done or experienced for so long, they're, they're your body telling you something is up. They're just the subtle signs in her own language telling you that you got to start paying attention to that. And if we can just start to do that, even if it's one subtle symptom a day or a week, looking at that, acknowledging it, maybe starting to make some changes or do something differently to see if that works or makes you feel better. 
by all means do that. I think that for far too long, we have just ignored a lot of the signs until they become catastrophic, until we are having a major health event. And we can avoid that by just tuning in. It's actually a lot easier than we ever believed. But for so long when we were kids and, you know, even teenagers and young adults and even as big adults, we, you know, we go to the doctor hoping that they're going to fix us. But we already have so many of the tools that we need. And so it's really up to us again to, to start to pay attention to those subtle signs. Mm, I love that. And then they've also got your program, Fix Your Period, for any women who are, who are struggling with you know, coming off the pill correct? Yes, that is correct. Yes. Um, for, I have two options for the fix your period program. So one is for major period problems, the heavy, painful PMS symptoms. The other is for women who maybe if you've, um, you know, like been on the pill and you don't have a period back, uh, you're, so you're missing your period or you have very irregular cycles. That's the, the second option. And then there's the fix your birth control protocol. So for someone who's just come off the pill or is contemplating it, I have all the food recommendations, the supplements, as well as the lifestyle changes that are really going to sort of support you and cushion the fall <laughs> when you come off of the pill versus you crashing and burning. You're going you're gonna to feel a lot better if you choose to really support yourself before you decide to make, to, to make the jump. Nicole's going to give you a softer landing. <laughs> exactly. I am That's indeed. Amazing. How can they find out more about you or where can they find you? Oh, so many places. So I am on, I'm at NicoleJardim.com and my blog is there. You can find a whole lot of information about, uh, you know, all the things we've talked about on there. And I also have a podcast as well, The Period Party. And we talk a whole lot about all of these kinds of things on there too. And you can find me on Instagram. I really love Instagram. It's my- Me too. Right? We all do. I mean, how could you not? Facebook kind of sucks. And so yes, Instagram is where it's at, it seems. So I'm just at Nicole M. Like Madeline Jardim on Instagram. So hopefully I will see you all there. Yay. You'll see me there. (laughs) Awesome. Same. Wow. Thank you so much, Nicole. This was amazing. I just, I love how much information, how much rich information you're able to compact into this pretty little box for everybody to take with them. It's so, it's easy to follow you as you explain some of these really complex scenarios. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. It's like my pride and joy (laughs) that I can do that for people. Because honestly, that was my biggest problem as a, as a person in their early twenties. I had no idea what the hell any of this meant. And Mm -hmm. doctors just kept sort of over explaining things, well, explaining things that went way over my head and nobody ever really gave me the why or showed me the steps. And, and so I felt really strongly that I needed to do that for women today because it's, it's hard to really, to sort of separate the, you know, the crazy, all this crazy information and and make sense of it. Oh my God. All the crazy information, (laughs) all of it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Wow. So lovers, thank you again for tuning in. I know this was epic and I know that you've got so much to take with you. And if you enjoyed the show, please head to eatplaysex.com, subscribe to the show, connect with me and grab our sexy guides because our goal here is to help you to eat, play and sex better. So you can improve your sex life, which obviously will improve every aspect of your life. (laughs) I'll see you next time on Eat, Play, Sex. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You can find out more about our guests and topics from our show by checking out eatplaysex.com. Until next time, don't forget to nourish your sex life. (laughs) 